Well, 2021, of course, was the year that uh, we'd all hoped that COVID would be behind us. We'd be focused on recovery, rebound, even talked about the Roaring Twenties. Obviously, that hasn't happened exactly as we were hoping. Joining us now to take a look at what happened in 2021 and what we can look forward to in 2022 is the official opposition leader, Rachel Notley. Uh, Ms. Notley, thanks so much for your time today. appreciate you joining us. I'm very pleased to be here. I'm sure, like everybody else, you were approaching 2021 the same way. This will be the path to recovery, at least in some respect, we'll get back to something that resembles normal. Um, Mm -hmm. Were you feeling that optimism in January of 2021, just like everybody else? Well, I don't know that it was quite in January of 2021, but but certainly a little bit later on into into the year I was, as I saw the, the vaccines starting to roll out and people starting to really get access to them. I think I was like everybody, you know, really excited about what uh, the wide-scale availability of those vaccines meant for all of our ability to get sort of our lives back to normal. Um, and um, so, so yeah, I was, I was cautiously optimistic, but I was also a little worried because, you know, we had a government that, that was pretty insistent on making thoughtless decisions. And, and I thought, you know, we were going to have to recover just a little bit harder and a little bit uh, farther than most people because we had to counter uh, some of the, the um unfortunate decisions made by uh, the UCP leadership. Well, let's talk about the, the year and the decisions that were made and the road to recovery and, you know, where we stack up against other jurisdictions. How would you characterize um, 2021 vis-a-vis COVID in Alberta? Well, you know, even if you wanted to put a grade to the way our province has handled it. Well, I think, you know, to start off with, I think that our frontline healthcare workers, uh, you know, whether we're talking um, nurses, physicians, uh, other critical frontline healthcare providers, they've been heroes. They have been working so hard and uh, up against so many challenges. And, and for them, uh, A++. plus um, For the decisions that have been taken by our government, uh, I think it sort of started out with a D and it's slowly gotten worse. And the reason I would say that is because uh, their decisions are not being made on the basis of evidence and best practice. They seem to be made more and more on the basis of politics. And what's even worse is that they're not learning from their mistakes. They continuously make decisions on the basis of politics, and they continuously uh, uh, jeopardize uh, Albertans in the process, making Albertans pay for their mistakes. And it seems that the depth and breadth of those mistakes seem to get worse every every uh, wave of COVID. And so um, that, that's, that's my view of, of, of what we've seen in Alberta. I don't think there's any other province where we've seen as, as politicized a decision-making regime as we do with uh, Jason Kenney and his UCP. I want to talk to you about the politics, because I think you're right, uh, in a minute or two here. But first of all, what would you have done differently? Like, let's go for the, take the fourth wave, which we know ended up being a disaster, and the premiers admitted it was a disaster, and they blew it. Mm-hmm. But when yeah. he made the announcement of best summer ever, we essentially had almost no COVID in the province of Alberta. Now, I always hear from listeners saying, you know what, good thing it wasn't Notley. We'd be locked down for the last two years. I, I don't know how they know that. But how yeah. would you have handled this situation as we move from the third to nothing to the fourth? I mean, just your thought process. Right. Well, I know that the UCP tries to make that argument, and uh, it's quite ridiculous because there's really nothing that we've ever said that would suggest that. But, I mean, what we would have done, to be honest, is we we probably would not have, we would have, of course, opened uh, in the summer, as as every other province did, probably not quite as fast and not as extremely as, as 
this government did in Alberta. Uh, but for sure, we were keen to to see more activities and more reopening, just like every Albertan was. Uh, we probably would have looked a little bit more like BC and Ontario in terms of the way we approached it, but we would have opened. The fundamental difference uh, between us and the UCP, though, was not the open for summer decision. It was how they reacted to the evidence that we now know they were presented three to four weeks later that said this was too much, too fast, and we're heading in the wrong direction and we're in trouble. Uh, Because what happened was they ignored it. They went on vacation. The health minister went away for four weeks. The premier went to Europe. Uh, Nobody answered questions about COVID for about a month. And they didn't take serious action until about middle of September. And by then, the fourth wave had gotten away from us. And so that is the the difference in terms of uh, what we would have done. We would have acted sooner. And very possibly, we wouldn't have even had to be as strict in terms of the actions taken if we'd cut it off at the past earlier. But this government, again, were so wrapped up in the politics of their best summer ever that they just couldn't deal with the politics of admitting they might have gotten it wrong. And so they ignored the evidence. And that's the difference. You mentioned the politics, and there's no question that the politics around this entire issue have uh, kind of surprised me. Um, The divisiveness, the toxic tone to it all, and it's not just Alberta. This goes well beyond our borders. But are you surprised by how divisive the whole subject of COVID has become? Well, I think, you know, I mean, I'm living in, um, in, in Alberta where, unfortunately, the premier himself, has from almost the very beginning of um, COVID approached it differently than many other premiers in that he talks out of both sides of his mouth and he, he, he um, uh, animates and supports uh, the views of those who don't like vaccinations, who uh, don't want to do their part to keep their neighbors safe. And so there's always a dual message. There's always a divided message, even in terms of what you hear from coming out of the, the lips of the of the premier. And and then, of course, their caucus uh, has also been allowed to, to uh, critique uh, the decisions taken by our public health officials. And so they're really fanning the flames of, of division far more than I think you see in other jurisdictions. Um, you know, you see much higher levels of support for political leadership in other jurisdictions um, because I think they have been more consistent and and secure about the decisions they've taken, um, even though in some cases they've been harder decisions. Um, and, and, And so I think that's part of the problem. We have the least trusted premier in Canada. We have the least trusted premier in the history of the province. And I think that really um, enhances uh, and, and uh, as I say, animates and, and reinforces those who are taking pretty divisive positions on things. Uh, let me ask this question, and I don't know if it's a tough question or not. As far as your role goes, your official opposition, so it comes with uh, you know a certain position and a stance that you know that's how our system works. Um, mm-hmm. Your role in the divisiveness and the animosity and the politicization of this, do you did you do something that you regret or something that you would like to do differently? Was there any role for the opposition to handle their role in how all of this unfolded in our province differently? Well, I think uh, you know what I would actually say is that um, I. I've think that we have done something that's a bit unprecedented for any opposition, certainly in Alberta and many other uh, across other provinces, which is we've actually tried 
very hard to be very propositional. We have a project called Alberta's Future. Uh, we started it uh, in terms of bringing Albertans together to, to talk about the path forward with respect to economic recovery. And we asked people to come to it and give us their ideas on a nonpartisan basis. And to some degree, in terms of the economic stuff, you know, we saw uh, the uh, UCP roll out a hydrogen plan that looked a lot like the one that we'd rolled out on Alberta's Future a year ago. The reason I mention that is when it comes to COVID, we've also used that platform to put out a whole bunch of ideas uh, for how we could handle um, uh, COVID differently. You know, proposals to keep our schools safer, proposals to to uh, um, get vaccines out the door more quickly, ways in which to to help promote. Uh, um, vaccine acceptance and other ways to better support our small businesses, to channel the, the voices of those who've been through the open, close, open, close, open, close, and, and talk to them about what would help them uh, through these cycles. So, you know, we would say, if people say, you, you know, you're only always ever opposing, we always say, check out Alberta's future, because we've probably got over more than 20 ideas a few of which actually the UCP did ultimately take us up on, um, maybe a bit later than we would have liked, but they did ultimately get there. So I think that's also the role for opposition, and I'm very proud of the, the amount of effort that we put into it and, and the amount of the quality of the recommendations that we've been able to make. Um, COVID aside, it looks like we're seeing some very optimistic figures, projections, uh, data coming in regarding the economics of Alberta. The recovery appears to be at least kicking off, especially in the oil and gas sector. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take a look at where we are on the road to recovery economically, how do you think Alberta is shaping up for where we are You know, heading into January of 2021? Well, I mean, there's no question that, you know, we're all happy to see the bump in the international price of oil, and that is um, uh, bringing some much-needed money back into our coffers. Um, You know, I think as Albertans, we all also have to know, we all have understood this now, that we can't rely on it and, and that it's a very sort of roller coastery kind of thing. And part of the problem with that then is that we haven't seen the kind of investments that create more long-term um, uh, secure, uh, sustainable jobs uh, in the way that we used to. And and so I think we still have some work going forward to do, but, but I certainly hope that we do see uh, more economic growth and recovery because we unfortunately led the kind country in, in our economic um, decline as a result of COVID. And so we have a lot of ground to make up. So it's good news we're starting to. We do, however, have to also focus pretty hard on the issue of affordability. Uh, we have to be careful that the recovery uh, does not end up um, really benefiting, you know, those who are already pretty comfortable uh, at the expense of the majority of Albertans who find it harder and harder to, to make ends meet at the end of each month. And we know that inflation is not something uh, that the provincial government has complete control over. But there are certain things that the government has driven costs up on uh, considerably. Insurance, utilities, uh, tuition, uh, personal income taxes, property taxes, things like that, all within the scope of the provincial government's decision-making realm. And so they can step in and support families and, and help them with the affordability challenges that we know they're all starting to be confronted with. Um, politically, this is uh, one of the more interesting jurisdictions on the planet, I think, and I'm sure you've been 
a very interested observer watching what's going on in the UCP party with the leadership debates and all the rest. And we know it's going to be a pivotal spring for that party. As opposition, what do you think about that? Do you prepare? Um, what sort of contingencies do you need to have in place depending on what happens this spring? Well, I think at this point, uh, our plan is to be uh, very, to offer Albertans a very different vision of how you respond to the circumstances that we are all in. And in this case, for instance, let's take, for example, the fact that we have a by-election in Fort McMurray. Um, you know, our uh, candidate, Arianna Mancini, a teacher who's lived there for over a decade, she got nominated the next day. She was out calling on the government to reverse their their cuts to the disaster recovery program, and then she was out on the doorsteps. The UCP's candidate turned around, left the riding, and started campaign to other UCP members about the ongoing drama within the UCP. And so I make this point simply to say that... Uh, Albertans need to see at least a political party that's going to be focused on raising the issues um, that matter to Albertans. Health care, affordability issues, job creation. The UCP is a party that was built for politics, not for government. And that's why we've seen them fail at government and be lost in politics uh, endlessly. Albertans need uh, leadership that can be focused on them and the challenges facing this province. Um, in all honesty, just be brutally honest with me here for a moment. Don't you want Brian Jean to win that by-election for the benefit of your party in the larger scheme of things? You know what? I uh, I, I think it's uh, one small decision point in a long list of decision points that are all about <laughs> the UCP and their drama. And, and uh, quite honestly, uh, our candidate is Arianna Mancini, and what I want is I, I love the idea of Arianna getting up in the house, all, you know, four foot eleven of her, and, and calling on the government with great passion, integrity, and honesty to stand up finally for the people of Fort McMurray when it comes to disaster recovery, when it comes to the EMS consolidation, when it comes to their health care needs, when it comes to uh, 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 investing in, in uh, uh, the, the oil and gas sector. Those things are what the people of Fort McMurray need a voice on. They haven't, quite frankly, had a voice that's focused on them for very, very, very many years. And I would argue that the best thing for our party and the people of Fort McMurray and all Albertans would be for Ariana Mancini to win that by-election. Last one, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, What are you watching for 2022? How are you feeling heading into 2022? And uh, what's on your radar? Well, I think that the two most important things, uh, or maybe three, uh, and well, obviously, I guess just in the last week, everybody's suddenly been uh, refocused on COVID, I think, in a way that maybe we, we had hoped we wouldn't have had to be. So that's, of course, important. Yeah. But I would say that, as well, we, we need to be laser-focused on repairing the damage done to our healthcare system. And, and uh, we cannot let the UCP try to use the damage they've created as a means to Americanize the system and further attack it. Um, so that's going to be a huge focus for us. The other focus, as I've said, is affordability for regular families, helping make sure that they can make ends meet at the end of every month, um, and, and pushing the government to make the kind of changes that Alberta families need to see. And then finally, again, just the slow drumbeat 
of, of trying to get that hard, heavy lifting work of economic diversification uh, promoted more and more uh, because that's what Alberta needs. And we need to be keeping, and the final thing I'll just say is we need to do everything we can to keep our young people here. Um, and there's a, a long conversation we could have just on that. But, but too many people are leaving and too many people are talking about how they could never see themselves here. And that is bad news for us in the long run. And we need to reverse that trend. Uh, Ms. Notley, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Merry Christmas to you and to and Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners.